Welcome to Chatting About Change with Dr. Jim Maddox. I'm a professor, OD consultant, and change strategist, helping individuals and organizations experience life to the fullest and engaging in positive transformational change. In addition to this podcast, please check out my latest book, Embracing Resistance to Change, Facilitating Change Differently Through the Paradox of Resistance, available now through Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatting About Change with Dr. Jim Maddox. Today I'm visiting with Dr. Brandon Rogers, who is a um, recently minted PhD from uh, Bowling Green um, University. Uh, he's got his doctorate in organization development and change. And he actually has over 15 years of, of progressive change management experience and leadership experience um, and ranging from cyberspace to automotive and, and software industries. And so um, Brandon and I first crossed paths at the uh, Society of Human Resource Management Conference in, in Vegas and um, just struck up a conversation. And I was like, ah, this is somebody I got to get on my podcast because he's just got a cool background and he's got a passion for the field. And so I'm looking forward to this chat. So uh, Brandon, tell tell the maybe tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll just kind of launch in with kind of where your career is headed. Thank you so much, Jim, for those kind words and for that uh, uh, very generous introduction. <laughs> um, it's uh, wonderful to be here with you, and and yeah. So with my background uh, through and through, I am an organization development and effectiveness professional. I love doing work with people and systems. And my career has centered around that. Um, to give you a brief uh, kind of overview or, or quick hits of, of my life, my education began um, in college with psychology and wanting to understand people from a scientific standpoint and realize after about three years, I'm like, I have no desire to listen to problems eight hours a day for, for the rest of my life. And it just so happened, I took a class called Industrial Organizational Psychology that just opened my eyes to the applicability of understanding humans as they relate to systems and corporations. So that led me in the direction of um, organization development. Uh, so after I graduated, I worked in software implementation for about four years and simultaneously uh, worked to get my master's and that was with Case Western. And I have nothing but uh, wonderful things to say about the MPOD program there. Um, being introduced to concepts like emotional intelligence and uh, uh, sustainability uh, at the many different dyads or levels, when you think about like the team level, the corporation, or state or, or global levels. And following that, I worked for a large-scale organization, uh, automotive organization, for almost for about ten years. Doing that, um, I worked directly in organization development. Um, uh, the company is Honda, Honda Research and Development. Um, but I worked there for two years and thought to myself, I'm like, well, I love doing training, but why is no one attending? <laughs> and that. Uh, uh, really challenged me to move into a more business-oriented role. So I moved into business strategy, um, corporate planning, and I was there for about six years. And at a global conglomerate, being able to see 
the dynamics of, you know, an American slash Japanese company and understanding cultural nuances and how business operates, um, even though here in North America, having our own business and, and bringing in substantial revenue, but kind of following suit, uh, to the headquarters. It was the equivalent, the, the best way I could describe it, it was almost like being a college kid in relation to the parent, where you're independent, um, you're making a lot of decisions, but at the same time, you still lean on that parent for a little bit of support. And moving forward from there, I moved into a process engineering role. And that, once again, just dabbled back in that systems aspect and learning um, milestone-based development. So with the vehicles um, and, and integrated controls in particular, um, there's various milestones in autom automotive development that um, you, that one or a company has to make sure that they go through to fulfill safety requirements, all of those things. And in integrated controls, it was a mix of systems and people because I was bringing people together at these various milestones um, to make sure that um, vehicle components were acting in accordance with each other, right? If I hit the brake, I want to make sure that um, that doesn't affect my infotainment system. Or if I turn on the radio, that my transmission is going to blow up or something. And so that was a wonderful experience. Um, it was a tough, tough place to work, but I learned a ton. And following that, uh, moved into independent consulting. So I have a small company, uh, it's called Paradoxical Solutions. And with the information and uh, that I've picked up both academically as well as um, uh, uh, as a practitioner, I've been able to work with a startup, I've been able to work with another consulting firm, and now I'm starting to get into the space where I'm starting to pick up my own clients. Um, with the startup, what was neat about that was uh, the startup, it was called Olive AI. Uh, and and it, it should be noted that with any startup, there's a chance that, um, that the business might fail. And I have to say the first six months doing organization effectiveness work, um, structuring a, a job leveling framework that was applied to the organization. And uh, that was one of the grittiest challenges that I've had in my work experience, but man, what great, what a great tool to learn with in terms of being able to level out, um, pay equity across different roles and just seeing a startup company with a thousand, 1500 people kind of getting through its infancy. So with that, um, <laughs> I know that may have been uh, a lot of words, but that's just a, a sampling of kind of the experiences I've had over those 15 years and and uh, kind of seeing where I want to go from here. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, our, our paths into OD were similar in the sense that I started out as a psych major and um, was just drawn to the whole field of, of human behavior. And, and I, I was like, there's got to be something besides clinical psych, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to be a therapist. And I took, I took a, uh, IO psych class as an undergrad. And I was like, this is, this is what I really, really loved. Cause I had a lot of sociology classes. And so I liked, 
the the idea of groups and group dynamics and and just social systems. And mm -hmm. so when I had that IO site class, I thought this is this is the path. So that's that's kind of how I headed down the how headed down that that route. Um, and so I love so, that. Yeah, I it, I didn't realize that you had that similar kind of experience. And so uh, I you know I, it, it's funny how all it takes is one or two really really special instructors who can just change the trajectory of your life. I took that class and uh, his name was Dr. Bruce Dockstetter, right? And he was always so laid back. He was working um, as an IO psychologist, I believe with Goodyear at the time. And, you know, he had a serv uh, uh, service background. I believe he was in either the Army or the Navy. And, you know, in his class, I learned all about, you know, the Industrial Revolution. When you think about maintenance factors and all of the things that that entice people to, you know, to get the job done and doing it well and understanding that it's not, you know, that people just aren't robots. They're, they have feelings, they have needs and being able to understand that. And, you know, one, 200 years later, we're still trying to figure out what make pe what makes people tick and how can, you know, you balance out the need to make sure that the work is getting done, but making sure that people have the space to, to live their lives and have the time to do so. So I love that. Uh, what did you, I'm, I'm guessing you had a really great instructor too, who kind of. Yeah, it, that was kind of the, the, the beginning part of it. And then when I got into an IO site grad program, I had a professor, um, Dr. Kerry Thorpe, who, um, had um he early in his career he'd worked at a um television factory in Ottumwa, Iowa. And and he just had some really cool um stories around the factory and around the that whole systems interface of people and systems and just um mm -hmm. the, you know the 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 human side of of organizations. And I I just was really struck by that and I thought this is yeah this is the path I want to go down. But so how you did know, you how did you kind of transition then to your your uh, doctoral program? And then <sighs> I'm really curious. So um, because I get a lot of my students ask me, well, how do you how, you know, I want to become a, a an independent consultant and how do I do that? So can you tell tell a little bit about kind of how you went from um, kind of full time employed for a corporation and then kind of how did that first that very first gig um kind of show up or show up on your radar or how did you seek that out? So, so I just funny. asked you about eight questions in one. Oh, I, I just jotted down exactly what I, what I need to answer. So when you, uh, when you asked how, to, how did I go about my doctorate, I knew I wanted my doctorate um, <laughs> even as far back as when I was in undergrad, but sometimes life just takes you in a different direction than you anticipate. Long story short, I had uh, my identity stolen, um, I believe, in my senior year of college. Um, ugh, gosh, uh, <laughs> there was a warrant out for my arrest. There was um, a lot that went on when I realized that someone had access to my social security number and was using it. And I ended That's up scary. in a shelter. 
And when I was in that shelter, I was in the shelter for about four months and it was the most enlightening period of my life. You know, <laughs> it was one of those moments where I thought my life was over. And thankfully, I was able to, you know, go down to the court. They they had the technology to, you know, look at my fingerprint and see that it wasn't me who committed those crimes. I was able to get myself back into school and I got two jobs and I was able to get an apartment. And I credit, you know, that particular shelter, it's called the Miller House, with giving me that safety net that I needed. And that transformed my life. Nonetheless, I went from a 3.5, 3.6 GPA to, I think, a 1.2 that semester that that happened. And because of that, it threw off my chances of being able to apply and get into a PhD program directly. So I went a different route. I worked. I did the software work for four years and then got my master's. And then going for the doctorate, I knew that I wanted to do it. But after I finished at... um. At Case, I got the job at Honda, and I kept applying to programs, and they kept telling me I was too young. <laughs> so you're too young. You're too young. You need 10 years of experience. You need 10 years of experience. And finally, um, back in 2019, I saw that there was a program that had just been created with uh, Bowling Green, the DODC program. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I need to get into this program. And I did that with the intent while I was working at Honda, I was doing, still doing inter, integrated controls with the idea of combining that systems and people aspect again. Like how could I take my dissertation and apply it to Honda? And that kind of, uh, that was the fruition of um, me exploring Agile. As, and my dissertation was on agile as it relates to stress and trust. But the ideas centered back on the people. We're doing all of these different processes, but how are we impacting those that are actually in these conditions? So it was a lifelong goal. I knew I wanted to be a professor. I, I was in a fraternity. I was an, a membership educator. And I remember, you know, teaching the creed to our, our eight or nine pledges. And I remember thinking, wow, this is what I want to do. So where did you uh, do your undergrad? Kent state university. Okay. And so it was, uh, it's funny how things come to, come to, come to fruition like that. You know, it's been a long road, but gosh, it, 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 made me happy, really, really happy. That was, that's like my magnum opus getting the, getting my doctorate has been my magnum, magnum opus of my life. And there's more to come. So to the second question you asked about becoming a consultant. So in the DODC program, uh, Steve Katie, Dr. Steve Katie. Awesome uh, guy, by the way. Yeah. Yes, he is. Um, guest check. You can check out uh, earlier chat I had with him. I had him on my podcast. And so that was that was kind of that initial connection when Brandon told me where he got his doctorate from. I said, oh, do you know Steve, Katie? And and he's like, is that, your eyes lit up. And you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, Steve is incredible. And he introduced us in that first class to this concept of professional joy, being able to work the way you want 
when you want, how you want, making the money you want. And in working for a corporation, working for Honda, um, after 10 years, it was about time for me to leave. And um, I left the organization really without a plan in mind. Um, and that led to me taking my first consulting gig doing cybersecurity with the um, Department of Veteran Affairs. That really, really opened my eyes in terms of, from a consulting standpoint, what it takes to not only do the job, but after the work is done, being able to make sure that you have business insurance, make sure that you have um, <laughs> just the regular tools for, for stationary and formalization and putting things together. It was a 10 year, it was really about 10 years that it took me to get my consulting firm off the ground per se. And I'll break that down. So how did, how did you find that? How did you come across that um, Department of Defense uh, cybersecurity um, project? LinkedIn, oh. which I love, right? Yeah. You can you can look for various jobs um, if you want to work for a corporation, but then there's also contract positions. And that's a great way to get yourself out there and start building that consultancy. But in terms of um, kind of building things from the ground up, I had a, a classmate in my in the MPOD program that really inspired me. She worked for Southwest um, Airlines. I think she was she was a global marketplace strategist, and turned that relationship into a consulting relationship, making three times her salary. She was the one that told me, you know, the first thing you need to do is get a website and get an LLC. As soon as I got the job at Honda, that was actually one of the things I did. And then over the years, you know, really thinking out like what services do I want to provide while also building my professional acumen, you know, putting a lot of time and study into the PMP and agile certification. So continuing, continuing education is something that any budding consultant needs to continue to do. So over the years, it was little things, starting a business bank account, getting a business credit card. And there's plenty of Googleable places where you can find out how to form a business, but I did it and just broke it out over a few years. So that way, when that VA opportunity came about, I had everything in place. Yeah, you had the framework to... Yeah. It it takes work. You can't just jump into it without kind of setting a, a good foundation for your for oneself. Creating a system for yourself, just like the systems that you work with in organizations. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be surprised, you know, just having make sure you make making sure you have cloud backups and regular backups, but um you know, a folder. I have a folder on my computer just dedicated to work. You know, when I set up the website, that website also created my stationery. So that way my logo and everything would be aligned. Um, I got that logo trademarked. So that way it could be used and it, you know, um, it had that security around it. And I, I went through a lawyer for it. 
many people can fill out the paperwork themselves, but I wanted to make sure that it was done the right way the first time. So yeah, it's kind of like having a dentist clean your teeth as opposed to you trying to do it yourself. Absolutely. Right. You can do, you can do a, a good job. Expertise. Right. So from the VA opportunity that was developing, um, helping them to develop a playbook for cybersecurity roles. The idea being, right, not everybody wants to go on a college track. So what if you have a great interest in systems? There's a huge need for cybersecurity professionals across the nation. And the idea was, how do we expedite or move people into roles where they can grow in capability and take on leadership roles? And that playbook was meant to help folks that were either in other areas of government or um, new in their career to be able to have a visible pathway, that playbook telling them, this is how you can get the tools that you need, the prerequisites that you need to have so you can move into this role. That engagement. Yeah, I think it's important too for like the, the listeners to recognize. So you did not have a cybersecurity background. I did not. Yeah. So, um, how did how did you? And I, I I have a sense of this. I remember years ago I I had a consulting project with a, a large bank, and after the first couple of sessions with their leadership team, the one woman took took me. We were sitting at lunch, and she said, "I didn't realize that you had such a strong backing banking background." She said, "I didn't see that on your on your resume," and I said, "I, I don't have a banking background," and she's like. Oh, surely you do, because you just understand all of our challenges and kind of what we're, you know, what we're talking about. And I just said, it's, it's people and systems and it's processes. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important because I think a lot of times people think, oh, to get a, you know, a consulting job or get in this particular industry, I need specific industry experience. So yeah, um, yours is a great example of how you leverage your expertise not on the cybersecurity part, but more of the of the, the business behind it, the organization behind it. It was neat, you know, and thank you for that compliment. Like it was wonderful. So the, the I guess you could say the 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 tie-in was workforce development. Back in Honda, when I was doing organization development, that was a lot of what my my role was focused on leadership and technical um, education and making sure that I was able to level up not only engineers from a technical standpoint, but also once they got into management positions, helping them kind of, uh, uh, what do they call it? Kind of like that leadership step ladder, right? And there's uh, a crux in your career where you move into a new level, right? The idea is making sure that you have those tools ahead of time. So that way, when you start managing people, you have the ability to effectively lead, not just manage, but to lead. So the workforce development piece was something that, you know, I had experience with. The other part was just learning. So once, you know, I started working on that project, it was making sure to immerse myself into the various, um, there's a lot of uh, nonprofit work and, and of course, government work sites dedicated to the field of cybersecurity how many roles are are out there? I want to say at the time it was like five hundred thousand 
necessary roles that still remain unfulfilled. And then after that, it was just really just putting the pieces together. What are the prerequisites needed for this specific role? And then visualizing how does this role compare with other roles of similar titles? And how do I get to that leadership role? What are the prerequisites for that? Okay, here's what I know I need to learn while I'm in this opportunity to make it to the next level. So it's just providing, well, I guess what I'm learning about consulting is a lot of it is fake it till you make it. And that's uncomfortable. I am a pipe, I'm the type of person who likes to have a plan. I like to make sure that I know exactly what I'm getting myself into. And sometimes you have to go on your gut instinct and trust that you have the ability to learn quickly and to put the pieces together. Yeah, that's that's why I'm such a huge fan of, of Edgar Schein's his 10 principles of process consulting. Mm -hmm. Because it, you know, it kind of speaks to that. Assess your own ignorance. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, share the problem. Um, and it's the client that owns the problem, not you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and just, um, I think that's, and you probably got a, a, a big piece of this at Case Western, but the idea of appreciative inquiry and the idea yes. of asking engaging questions, asking great questions. Mm -hmm. and, so, um, and I think to really be an effective consultant, it, it really is more about asking questions and asking the right questions than it is about having answers. Truth. And, and so I think that you kind of can turn your ignorance into, into curiosity, into Absolutely. You know, kind of a discovery role. And you're right. And I think that where it comes in is that organizations, especially in the time of rapid change that we're in right now, it's chaotic. There's politics. There's, I, I like to think of them as invisible landmines <laughs> where, you know, you start consulting with the company and, you know, you ask something and people gasp because it's not something that's normally asked. The question is some, some, some forums or some um, corporations are very open to that. They want that breath of fresh air. Sometimes it's too radical. And as a consultant, one of the things that I'm I'm learning is to go where my energy is. And that's one of the main reasons why I've always wanted to consult in the first place is because, you know, let's face it, anybody is expendable at any time. Yeah, what I, love I, that, I love that notion of going where your energy goes. Mm -hmm. It's 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 hard to it's hard to do sometimes, you know, it over anyone's career i think that they're faced with moments of uncertainty and just does this feel right is this what i want to do you know am i really happy here and sometimes it's just making sure that you have that mutual understanding with the client that you're working for you know that it feels right making sure that you're fulfilling the obligations of what you signed to but at the same time, sometimes making sure there's a clause that, hey, this is at will, having business insurance in case there's, you know, any discrepancy that needs to be um, modified. But sometimes you have to walk away, too. And I think that that's an important lesson for for new consultants, especially, is that not every not every project is the right project for you. Not every project's a good fit. 
And yeah, and there's some projects that you may have gone through kind of the, the entering phase and you may be getting to the contracting phase when you just, your gut is telling you, this is not a good fit. Um, this is so true. And being able to just walk away, you know, it's kind of like, it's like in a relationship where there's those red flags and being able to say, yeah, let's cut our losses now. You know, it's funny. Um, so when I met you, right, I was doing consulting and um, uh, I was working with a Fortune 500 company. Um, and most recently, my work has been focused on org transformation. Um, it's really a pretty way of saying laying people off. And that's the real of it. So what was neat is that I worked with this particular client two times. And on the first time, I was working with um, a number of C-suite executives, more or less doing the project management to make sure that all of the various work streams, such as HR, um, legal, uh, making sure that the change management team, the IT team, all of those people were involved to make sure that um, a layoff is never easy. It really sucks whether you're doing the planning and especially if you're someone who's impacted. And what I'll say is that that first time around, I was working with an exceptional team and in managing that project. So, you know, I had an ex I've, I've been laid off before. So I had the insight and the a group of executives that were willing to listen and the fact that like, how can you do this in the most humanistic way to make sure that you're giving them the resources to move on with their lives? Cause it's going to hurt, you know, it, it, your work is so tied into your identity that some people pick up quickly and some people really hurt from it for a while. And so just making sure that they did it in the kind, you know, communications, communicating it in the kindest and most humanistic way. And that was a wonderful experience, right? So the same client brought me back um, and I was working with a different team of people, mid-management, uh, undergoing another transformation. And it was terrible. <laughs> I felt like I had no voice on the project. Um, I didn't feel listened to. There were... Um, there was another consulting firm that was also working on the project. And so there was unclear direction. I was outnumbered by, you know, a team of four consultants versus myself. And it was uncomfortable. And I had to walk away from that project. I can see that being really awkward. It was, it was, it was terrible. And being able to walk away was nice. So for those of you who want to become consultants, make sure that you pad your own savings and make sure that you have time to, to have, make sure that you have the ability to have options because sometimes it can be a detriment to your own well-being. And for me, you know, getting calls or getting requests at 1030 at night, you know, when I'm in bed. You have to set your own boundaries and that's tough. 
Yeah, I was just going to say setting boundaries is when you have your own organ, have your own business is critical. And then, and then, yeah, taking care of yourself, self-care is essential. It's huge. The other thing I wanted to add is that, right, getting involved in the sales piece. So most recently, right, because I've consulted independently and I've also consulted with the firm. And with the firm, getting involved on the sales side and learning how to develop requests for proposals. Um, so your RFPs, um, competitive bidding, getting through that, right? What makes your business any better than anyone else's? So that's a piece that I'm actively learning about. And word of mouth. So I have an opportunity uh, coming up in uh, uh, Q1 of next year. And this will be focused on uh, learning and development, developing um, you know, computer-based training modules and helping people to adapt to a new way of working. I got that through an old manager who threw my name out there. And it's exciting because I'm like, wow, this, this is slowly moving in the direction that I've always wanted it to go in. And it's scary. You know, I've done some um, instructional design before, but, you know, there's many people who have a lot more experience than I, but I'm willing to give it a try. What, um, because one of the things that I think a lot of people struggle with, uh, especially initially, is is the pricing part. Mm -hmm. How have you kind of, gone about navigating just how to price your your services <laughs> so that's such a I don't good question to, i don't want you to disclose any you know any of your you know your key um i'm happy i'm maybe i'm happy to uh to share a little bit because i think that that's really a challenge and well i'll tell you what when i took that cyber security role i undercut myself tremendously right at the time, it was a 10, 1099 contract position. It's 45 bucks an hour. At the time, at the, that was a substantial raise from where I was. But I didn't consider all of the operational costs that you also have to take care of. You have to take care of your own health insurance, making sure you have business insurance, making sure you have, you know, Anything that comes out of your pocket, like, you know, transportation costs, making sure that you have ample office space, whether you choose to do that in your own home or elsewhere, those aid into that rate. And effectively, I ended up making less than what I was making when all was said and done. So to your question of pricing, I've learned a couple of things, even just doing some basic reading. <laughs> they say, you know, you don't really want to price yourself under a hundred dollars an hour or less because in in some ways you won't be taken as serious. Um, yeah, and that's a great point. <laughs> I've, I've also learned that whatever your rate is, right? So for example, with, uh, with the PMP, uh, with this potential project, I thought it was going to be focused on project management and PMP holders, you know, I just did a quick Google. What are, what are people pricing themselves for PMP work? You know, PMP holders charging for work independently. 
between 100 and 150 bucks an hour. So I said, okay, 125, that's the midpoint. But you also have to consider taxes and all of the other costs. So one of the ways that um, I read that you can calculate your salary is to take um, the amount you want to make, divide it by 52, 52 weeks in a year, and then divide that by 40. So the hourly rate, then, you know, uh, uh, essentially multiply 40% or take 40% and add that on top of that hourly rate. So for me, for example, I'm like, okay, so 135. And that's a real life example that I plan to use. Um, and that's modest, you know, there's many consultants who, um, have really, really deep expertise in an area may go two or 300 bucks an hour. But, um, I think you learn as you go. I, yeah, think, and I think it's important too, to, to keep in mind that, you know, like a, a full-time job is 2080 hours mm -hmm. and, and it's really easy to think, Oh, if I charge a hundred bucks an hour, I'm going to be making over 200 grand a year. And it's like, uh, no, because mm -hmm. one, you're not going to have a hundred, you're not going to have 40 billable hours a week. Um, mm -hmm. And even if you have a week or two of that, there's going to be times that you're in between projects. Absolutely. And, um, you have to, you know, and, and then you have to, like you just, all those overhead costs eat into that as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, in the time that you spend prospecting and, and networking, you know, you're on the clock, but you're not getting paid. And Absolutely. So I think, I think, and it's, it's it's easy to just take a number and think, oh, this if if my salary was this, this is what I'm going to make. It's like no, there's it's it's very you just listed off all those great reasons to or things to consider and keep in mind. Yeah, you'd be surprised. You know, the one thing about having <laughs> accessible technology, you know, or, or I should say, Google for to simplify things at your fingertips, it's a powerful tool. So in understanding, well, hey, you know, just so I'm not off base with what I think I want to ask, do your research. What is this looking like, right? And once again, that word of mouth is the thing that pushes you forward and, and allows you the ability to increase your pricing. Um, but I do think that you have to be realistic. I think modesty and 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 trying to work with your clients especially as you're getting started is really important so um i want to make sure that that you know my standard of living and it, it, my my goal has always been i want to maintain my current standard of living or better and you know very recently like you know i'm like okay i think i'm going to take i think i'm going to do this and it's scary you know I like the flexibility though. I like having the, for example, uh, one of the things that, uh, so I, I have a, a number of different ser services that that I provided with my company, whether it's individual or team development, project management. One of the things that um, I'm doing, I did some pro bono work for career development, just with a friend, redoing her resume. She wants to make a career pivot. And that's something that I've always been really good at is whipping up a, a resume and, and helping to coach through those stages. 
So what I'd say is that when it comes to consulting, you know, once again, go where your energy is. The things that are easy for you sometimes are really, really painstaking for others, especially when they're going through a tough time. And it's amazing how many times where like you help this friend with their resume, she possibly gets hired. Somebody makes some comment about how they really like her resume. She mentions who helped. And then before you know it, there's some company that wants to hire you to do it for, you know, a hundred of their leaders. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and suddenly that pro bono, that helping somebody out, um, you know, trans, uh, you know, translates into a, a consulting gig. Well, it's so funny you say that because I was working for a startup doing that job leveling. Um, that uh, my friend, that gentleman got a job with another company as a chief learning officer. And right now we're in negotiation to bring me in to help them to develop their job leveling framework. So it's piecemeal, right? Like as you're doing contract work, sometimes you, you hope to be able to have just a one-to-one -one allotment. It would, be, it would be great if you could work for one client 40 hours a week for an extended period of time. Sometimes you have to, it's feast or famine. And being able to take on a couple of different contracts ethically, morally, making sure that you have that within your clauses. But ultimately, you know, maybe it's five hours a week working with this client. Maybe it's another 10 hours here. And that's how you build. So what's your what's your dream project? What what would be your your dream assignment in terms of a consulting gig? <sighs> what would be really in your sweet spot? So I love group development. When I say that, any type of personality assessment and helping groups to get along, that's what I do. That's what I love. So DISC, for example, uh, uh, is a very, very easy um, uh, profile, uh, I should say personality assessment that breaks you into uh, one of four quadrants. And just being able to break down the fact that these are based, these are your preferences for how you like to communicate and be communicated with and helping groups to understand, especially where there's, um, you know, tense moments. You think about Tuckman stages of development and you think about storming, right? Why am I bumping heads with this person? I love being able to break down or give people tools, right? <laughs> A simple printout. Like, hey, my style is a D, uh, secondary C style. That person is an S style. Wow, they take things a lot. They're a lot more sensitive than I am. Maybe I should try, you know, softening my approach a little bit so that way they feel comfortable as opposed to attacked. So I'd say doing that, maybe developing, and this is where my, my own, um, background comes in my academic background comes in too because you know maybe one day i want to create my own assessment of some sort and uh going back to that what dr katie you know mentioned about the professional joy model right i'm in this place where i'm looking at transitioning into academia while still consulting and it's happening a lot quicker than i expected i always thought, oh, I'm going to work 30 years, then I'm going to be 55, and then I'm going to move into academia. Well, I'm 40 and it's happening. And it's happening at a pace that I never imagined. Yeah. And and it's kind of like, 
don't underprice yourself and then also don't undersell yourself in terms of your own career path. I mean, um, you're, you're not too young. Like you were saying, you were getting, you were getting that message of, you know, Oh, you're too young for the doc program. Oh yeah. Don't, don't sell yourself short in terms of, of your expertise and, um, you know, just, yeah, keep your passion going and agreed. Uh, and let your let your youth let that be a driver for you. You know it, it's it's so funny you say that because um, and it's it's unfortunate, right? Ageism is it's evident in the workplace, and I it's funny even at this age I felt it at both ends, depending on the team that I'm in, and there's an edge to having experience behind you you know, sometimes it can also be really advantageous to not have those experiences because you can rapidly pick up, you know, you can rapidly pick up something or, or um, it's like if you're consulting with any of the big firms, right? The earlier you on the career in your career, the more they're apt to pick you up because they're going to grow you in the way that they groom their consultants. You know, once you've established a career and you've seen some things, I think immediately it's like, oh, well, you know, there's too much repro reprogramming is what I've heard. And that's not always true. As a matter of fact, there's a lot to be gained by people who have a different experience because they know things not to repeat. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, kind of like learning from their mistakes, learning from all those life experiences. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and, and knowing what to avoid, what um and just how to navigate some of those challenges because they've been through some of those the school of of hard knocks. Definitely. One thing I want to say, John, is, you know, once again for for folks who are considering a path into consulting. When I was back at case, I so wanted to be affiliated with McKinsey or Bain and Company, you know, all of the, the top 10 firms, you know, I even at one point had a, um, um, an offer from Accenture. And the one thing I want to say is um, there are a lot of small boutique consulting firms that are just as good. So, you know, be open that maybe they don't have a worldwide name, but working for a consulting firm especially one that hones in on work-life balance and really cares for their um, their staff, you'll learn a lot. Um, conventional wisdom will tell you, yes, if you go to a big name, one of the big four, a Deloitte, a something else that, yes, you're going to have that name on your, on your resume, and that is going to lead to opportunities in itself. And there's truth to that, but they're going to grind, they're going to grind you to a pulp. Yeah, there's it comes with a cost. It does. And, you know, the big thing for me lately is freedom. I want the freedom to be able to work when I want. I, you know, make a comfortable living. I want to give back, which is really important with the teaching piece. Yeah, and you can um, pick and choose. You can pick and choose what projects you do. You can pick which ones you want to maybe even do pro bono. Mm-hmm. And and how to 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 share your expertise, and um, yeah, a lot of autonomy. 
Absolutely. You know, what's, what's also interesting. I, I made it a goal of mine this year to apply for uh minority business enterprise certification with the department of Ohio. And that's another thing. Um, whether, you know, whether you're, uh, uh, person of minority background or um, LGBTQIA+, there's a lot of different programs with uh, also women. There's a lot of programs with um, the state that you're in, in that, you know, like the Ohio Department of Development, develop, uh, Department of Development has a lot of resources. And with the certification that I've been, that I've applied for, the idea is that, um, there's the opportunity for bids with the company or bids with companies that work with the state. And it's another way to start drumming up additional business and looking at um, the needs of various state run agencies that need support. So um, it take it takes a lot of homework and word of mouth and it takes a lot to form that foundation of any consultancy, but use your resources as you see them and as they become available. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, and I and I think this is why those types of, of programs are so critical. Is um, a lot they a lot of times um, um, persons in underrepresented groups don't have the resources, they don't have the the, the, the background. Um, you know, I, I see this with like students, first generation college. Absolutely. You know, you think, oh, it's pretty easy to apply for college. Well, for some kids it's, it's not, I mean, it's, you know, if they don't have resource, they don't have somebody guiding them, you know, how do you navigate the, the, the complexities of financial aid? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, and a lot of those things that, that people that have been through those paths just take for granted. And don't realize the the barriers are, that are there for um, for people that don't have those resources that haven't come from those places of and, and I'll use the p word those places of privilege. Yeah, uh, and I think I appreciate that, Jim. When in those places of privilege, just it's they take it for granted. It's like oh, you know, like I've been able to live anywhere I wanted. When I go see a move to a new city, I talk to a realtor. I've never been guided or steered, you know, away from certain neighborhoods or, you know, or, or been turned down for a loan, you know, for, you know, for the wrong reason. And so um, things that we just kind of take for granted. So I think that's, that's awesome that you're navigating that because then um, you're going to share that expertise and, um, and, sh and share your, your passion. That's what I hope Jim. And, and, you know, <laughs> in a way, I guess I, I want to walk in your uh, your footsteps as well, because I've always wanted to be a professor. Currently, I'm an adjunct assistant professor with Bowling Green, but I haven't immersed myself. Uh, I'm not like a, a faculty member. So that's where I see my life down the line and being able to give back in an enormous way. But, you know, that first gen college student, I I, I lived that experience. And, you know, if there's any listeners that are currently in that experience, you know, I made it a point to go down to the financial aid office and get to know not only the folks who work um, the windows, but also the director, 
and the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences, those two kept me in school. They made sure that I had the resources to get through. And especially in that first year, like you're literally, you know, high school is high school is is simple. You show up. In college, that's the first time where you have to make the conscious effort. And if you don't try, there's the potential to fail. Yeah, you you can sleep in. There's nobody telling you, you know, you know, and it's not like the bell rings and you walk down the hall to the next class. Yeah. There's accountability. There's cost. There, there's there's consequence. Yeah, and there's nobody saying, here's your schedule. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, and that that level of of unstructure and autonomy is is really tough for a lot of kids to navigate. There's a, a book that that got me through. Um, it's called Becoming a Master Student. And I believe it's on the sixth edition. So with my nieces and nephews and a couple family friends, I bought I had an early edition of that book. And I anytime they're going to college, I make sure to purchase it for them because it taught me how to box in my schedule, how to go about, you know, like what I found is that certain classes, there's certain classes that come really, really easy to you. And then there's certain classes where it's just sometimes just foreign. You just can't get it. And what I found that worked for me was doing study groups and actively looking for people that I could study with in those areas, getting, you know, the support, whether it was with math and making sure that I took advantage of the school's resource for a tutor. Math is something I always had to work really, really hard at to get a good grade. I had to put the hours in. But there's always a lot of resources, and sometimes you can feel really paralyzed if you don't know where to go. But I I just recommend just, you know, a quick Google search, sometimes asking around. You'd be surprised what resources are available to you. Yeah, I think a lot of students are surprised when they find out, oh, my university offers that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then kind of getting over that that stigma of, of not being afraid to go use them or to ask for help. Mm -hmm. career services. It's funny, career services at Kent State taught me how to build a great resume. I'm still using that knowledge. Yeah. And, and I, and I'll, I'll, I'll say just, I, the little bit that I've interacted with you, um, Dr. Rogers, I think you'd make a, an outstanding professor. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've got the, you've got the insight, you've got the passion, um, and you care about people. And so thank I, you. I see some of those critical skills that are like, yeah, this he he's got the makings for um being a, a quality professor. And so um don't don't sell yourself short. Don't think you need more experience, don't think you need more time, more projects, you know. Thank you so much. I'm getting I'm getting there. Yeah. So Jim, this has been wonderful. It's funny the uh, the opportunity. I didn't realize the time had had. I was looking at. The I know, right? Gosh, where did our time go? I've I've so enjoyed this, and uh, it's funny the the opportunity that I was telling you about for Q one of next year is giving me a buzz right now. So I hate to cut this the short. Opportunities but... knocking. No. Yeah. I really this enjoyed this. Brandon. Yeah, I appreciate your time, and let's stay in touch. Doctor Maddox. And uh, I'd love that. And if you need anything, you know, I'm, I'm a phone call or an email away.
I appreciate it. And I look forward Thank to catching you. up with you again soon. Okay. I'm here. All right. Take, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. you've enjoyed listening to chatting about change with dr jim maddox if you want to connect more you can follow me on twitter instagram or facebook and at my website drjimmaddox.com thanks for listening